Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Way. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Oh, and what if you could be your number one fan? How sexy would that be? And our guest today is Catherine Orford, who's going to be talking about being your number one fan, because most of us have heard about the secrets in the law of attraction and the movie, The Secret. And have you worked with those principles? Have you been successful? A lot of people have fallen short and are wondering why it hasn't worked. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you really truly believed in yourself and your ability to manifest your dreams? And by the way, if you're dreaming of a great love, Here at Modern Love Radio, we know that real love has everything to do with your capacity to actually believe in yourself and to love yourself. It's really, really important that we get those principles down and that we have a way to incorporate them into our lives. That's why we have a Modern Love training on the second Saturday of every month here at Modern Love Training Center, and we give you opportunities to interact with some of the best teachers, best healers, literally on the planet. And we have one of those events coming up on May the 12th. It's called Modern Love Miracles for You This May, Seven Steps to Move You from Toxic Love Patterns to Miracle Love now. So if you're ready to get those steps to move from toxic love to miracle love, then this is exactly the training you want to come to. It's live. It's a full day. You can register on Eventbrite. And this coming Friday, if you are available, this will be Friday the 27th of April. You may be listening later when this is archived as a podcast. You will have missed it. The New Living Expo the largest transformational healing conference on the West Coast, possibly the United States, is happening in San Mateo. And at 4 o'clock on Friday, I'll be speaking. And the title of that course is How Invisible Wounds Sabotage Your Love Life and Five Steps to Heal Toxic Love. So please join me. The talk is free. There's a nominal amount to come to the expo itself and hundreds of exhibitors, 80 of the top speakers over the next three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You want to be there. It's one of my favorite things to attend every year. And there's something for everyone. Our Dear Dr. B questions. Dear Dr. B, I'm engaged to someone I love very much. I'm 36. He's 44. We get along great. But he's in a rush to get married. It'll be my first marriage, his second we were engaged three months ago, and he wants a wedding in a month. 
the date he picked is his father's birthday. My other problem is he's always pawing at me. He needs to be touching me, calling me his beautiful angel. It's good to hear it once in a while, but not five times a day. I need my own space. If I say no, he gets defensive, and, I'm, and he gets worried. I'm going to leave him. I'm almost at the breaking point. Help. Too much touch in Tennessee. Look, Tennessee, everyone has their love language. You all know about the five love languages, and touch is one of them. For some people, it's words. Others, it's gifts. Others, it's acts of devotion. It sounds like his love language is clearly touch, and there may be more to it. He could need more reassurance from you than he's getting. So the two of you, like every couple about to make a commitment, I will say this for the hundredth time, all of our listeners have heard it before. There are 50% fewer divorces for people who do pre-marital training. That is why I created Modern Love Trainings. You don't have to take our trainings or other qualified trainings, please. Get thee to some premarital training. Learn those love languages. Learn how to communicate. Learn how to ask for what you need in a way that works for each of you. And good luck. Blessings. So let me introduce you to today's guest. It's Catherine Orford, who wrote a book called Become Your Number One Fan. And I think that's a pretty exciting thing to talk about. Catherine is known as the confidence coach, and she spent the last 25 years inspiring literally thousands of people around the world to produce results that only previously dreamed of. She's trained with the world's leading authorities in self-esteem, human behavior, human potential, and she's a personal and professional development trainer. So, The book is Become Your Number One Fan, How to Silence Your Inner Critic and Live the Life of Your Dreams. And we're going to welcome to the show now Catherine Orford. Hi, Catherine. Hi there. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, tell us how you got interested in things like teaching confidence and being a confident, coming to write this book about being your number one fan. Right. Well, the short answer is in my early 30s, I thought I had met the man of my dreams. He turned out to be my biggest nightmare. (laughs) Um, He overlapped his women and he actually three times as actually he was living with somebody and told me he was just under the same roof as them, but they were still in relationship. He was dating me and then he was also dating his voice coach, and he dumped me and went on to marry his, uh, the third person, the voice coach, within about three months of us splitting up. Um, hmm. And you talked about uncovering wounds in order to be able to create a wonderful relationship. At the time that this happened, I had no idea that I was adopted. So I had this incredibly successful school of performing arts. I had wonderful friends. And I was, I was doing great. And then when he dumped me, I couldn't understand. I knew I felt heartbroken and I knew that that was going on, but I actually felt worthless in every area of my life. And it was like he'd pulled the carpet from underneath me and I went, I, I really couldn't 
work out why I couldn't choreograph anything to save myself and I, I just all of my joy for life just, just disappeared. But I put on what I call my superwoman cape and <laughs> I pretend we all yeah. have one of those in the closet. A lot of a lot of women know it. Yeah, exactly. And I put it on and I pretended that I was okay because everyone had always looked to me prior to that as this confident, um, independent, successful woman. And so I pretended for, gosh, I think it was about nine months, nine months to a year. And of course, inside I was falling apart. And I couldn't sustain that. And so I fell into um, a deep, dark depression. I was having anxiety attacks. I couldn't get out of bed. And when I turned on music, and that had been my absolute wow. You're describing, to but you're describing what everyone goes through with a breakup, when they've put their heart, put their hopes, put their dreams uh, into this container of love and this feeling that this love is so wonderful. And it, there's nothing, I think, people more painful than a breakup. In fact, it's, it's people going through divorce were the number one cause of charges to healthcare plans because literally a breakup can make you sick. So you poor well, thing. Was very, this yeah. was a very yeah, tough, I was, very heavy water. I, yeah, and I didn't know the issues, the abandonment issues that I really needed to deal with at the time. I had I only found that out ten years later when I found I was adopted, and I went, "Oh my God, that's why I felt so, you know, unlovable exactly. back then." Exactly. Exactly. But, but you know, I I decided that when I when I turned on music, that it always brought me so much joy, and I felt numb. I just went, I don't think I can be on this planet anymore. So I was actually ready to take my own life. Um, oh, long, long, yeah. Long story short, um, I I couldn't even find the tablets that I was planning to overdose on. I couldn't even find the script, and I was on laying on the tiles on, in my bathroom floor in a fetal position. And my inner critic was chastising me for not even just saying to me, "You are so pathetic. You can't even organize your own suicide properly." Um, your credit is really quite vicious, my God. It was. But you're not it alone. Everybody, everybody, yeah, everybody has an inner critic. Make a note, everyone. Catherine's not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, though, of course, I thought I was the only one. And that was, you know, made me feel even more isolated. The other thing is that I want to point out to your listeners is everyone was really well-meaning and they were trying to buoy me up you know, my parents and the person I taught dance with, but they, and they were saying, oh, look for the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, there was no light in my tunnel, and so that made me feel even more isolated. Um, and so that was what drew me to this particular um, evening when I was actually going to end it all. And as fate would have it, um, I had gotten really upset at the end of my last class. It was my favorite class. It was my 10 and under competition team, and... As they were leaving, I thought they had left and I just really fell down on the floor and started sobbing because I adored these children. And a couple of them heard me and they came back and asked, was I okay? And I said, look, you know I've got something going on in my private life at the moment. It's okay. And I ushered them back out the door. Um, when I was here on the cold floor, cold floor in my bathroom, the phone rang and there was no end of what I was getting up to answer that phone. So I let it ring out. 
And then it rang again and I let it ring out. And then the third time it, it actually rang, I just, I think I was worried about whether something may have happened to my mum or my dad, but just this much gentler, quieter voice just said, just get up and answer the phone. So mm-hmm. I got up and answered the phone and it was one of my beautiful students' parents who knew I was going through a really tough time. And she said to me, I want you to make sure I want you to promise me that you won't do anything. Because she said, are you okay? And I said, no, but I will be. And in that moment, she read right through what I was talking about. She said, I want you to promise you won't do anything. My husband's not home yet. Um, I'm in the middle of cooking dinner. I'll be there in 20 minutes. Promise me you won't do anything. And, um, and, and I promised her, but I put the phone down and went, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to get out of here and come up with plan B. So I collected my driver's license so they could identify my body and I was ready to drive my car off a cliff and I'm bustling down, literally five minutes later, I'm bustling down my hallway to get into my car and the front doorbell rang and I went, she can't be here yet, What what is going on? And I opened the door and it was another beautiful parent of, of the students that I had just taught's mother and she had this massive bunch of flowers. And she said, Catherine, we know you're going through a really tough time and we want you to know how much we love you. Oh, that is so incredibly lovely. So, Catherine, there's some part of you that absolutely was not going to let you leave the planet because you're an angel (laughs) coming to your rescue with flowers at the door. So when you look at this period, that this is what kept you from harming yourself and doing yourself in and you went on from there what what was the awareness that came out of that that's an incredibly sad time and also a time where clearly you came out with something oh yes and I had done enough personal development work I dipped my toes in the water I'd read Louise Hay's work and I'd done quite a few courses with Robert Kiyosaki and I had a, a reasonable level of awareness. I, in that moment when they said, and you know, she said, we love you, I went, hmm, maybe I'm not meant to go and maybe it's time for me to learn to love myself from the inside out instead of searching for acknowledgement from everybody else that I'm okay. And that's when the Wow, say that again. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, because everybody, <laughs> that's, a golden, that's a golden nugget right there because most people have this feeling if I can get someone else to love me that means I'm lovable if someone else loves me it means I'm okay and the truth is Mm -hmm. what you just said is the only way to fill ourselves up is from the inside not the outside and our culture is so much about the outside how you look how you dress are your teeth white are you wearing the latest whatever you know, is your hair mm-hmm. the right something? It's so much about the outside. We forget none of that can ever fill us up. I love exactly. what you said. Love yourself from the inside. Now, how, how did you, I wish our time were longer because I'm watching <laughs> the, the moments tick by. And how did you get from this powerful moment, maybe I need to love myself from the inside out, to the next step? Gosh, I, I didn't, we didn't know about neuroplasticity back then and the fact that we could create new neural pathways in our brain. 
But I know that when I dived in and I really did the work with Louise Hayes, beautiful, the late Lulu's um, You Can Heal Your Life book, she used to say when I was doing my affirmations. That's a wonderful book. And for those who know uh, Louise Hayes' work, she is the best-selling woman author in the world of any self-help book. And that book, You Can Heal Your Life, (laughs) has sold over 30 million copies in more languages than anybody can count. And she was really one of the first people to talk about the fact that we could, in fact, reprogram our brain. And all of our listeners know I'm the world's biggest geek when it comes to science because I started out in neuroscience, studying prematurely born Mm. macaque monkeys. So the brain, studying their brains, what we're about to talk about is scientific fact Catherine's not throwing anything up on the wall to see if it'll stick. Neuroplasticity is a thing. Okay, so let's talk about how we use this thing, Catherine. Well, what she used to say, which we hadn't really back in the 80s when this happened, I think it was maybe the 80s or 27 years ago this all happened to me, but I know that she used to say, I used to sing this song, I love myself the way I am, there's nothing I need to change, I've always been the perfect me, there's nothing to rearrange, I'm beautiful and capable of being the best me I can, and I love myself just the way I am. And I would be singing That's this. a great song, <laughs> and very my, catchy. We all need to learn that tune. <laughs> exactly. You can Google it on YouTube. It's there. If you put Louise Hay, I love myself. Um, and, and so I would sing it, but, of course, my inner critic would chime in and go, oh, with a nose like that or, you know, like all these horrible things. But Louise used to say, just keep singing. Well, what we've realized since then, of course, is about neuroplasticity and that we can make new neural pathways and connections. So I kept on singing. Then I trained as an NLP practitioner and master practitioner, and I realized that I could take control of my thoughts versus them having control of me is probably the easiest way I can describe it. Right, neurolinguistic programming, NLP, the science of exactly what it says, using your brain program your language which programs your mind and your life so very powerful tools now you also talk in your book about developing self-esteem and self-worth what does that have to do with neuroplasticity and the singing i love myself just the way i am i think that we forget how incredibly beautiful and pure and innocent when we came into this world Unless we actually did come, you know, in utero, whether our, you know, our parents were doing drugs or were being physically abused or anything like that, we came in, I, I use the analogy that we, we came in with as, as much self-esteem or more than we needed for a lifetime. But unfortunately, between the age of about 18 months and two, we start to receive negative feedback. And up until then, we can do no wrong. And a little baby farts and we think it's cute. You know, like if we did it now, it would be, oh, my God. So all of a sudden we start getting feedback about, usually about a behavior we're doing. And let's face it, we learn to allow behaviors from somebody else. But when they say you're clumsy, you're silly, you're that was whatever, um, that was naughty, a little tiny child's brain cannot go, oh, they're just talking about a behavior that I've learned. All that brain can do is operate, and you guys have heard me say it many times, it operates like a miniature recording device. 
If we can see it, hear yeah. it, touch it, taste it, smell it, or feel it, it goes directly into the child's brain without filter. There's no exactly. filter. And, we, and so we start to lose our self-esteem and, and we start looking for evidence and we find plenty more of it. And so then we yeah, start to and you shall find. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and we start to feel flawed. And so we start to feel flawed. And then we start thinking that we have to be something for our parents or our caregivers to love us. So we start wearing what I call the invisible hats, you know, and we'll, we'll become the overachiever or we'll become the academic or the family clown or the jock or the whatever it is to fit in. And whilst those traits and characteristics might be part of our personality or our strengths, if we feel we have to be that in order to fit in, we're actually selling ourselves out. And so yes, I do a lot exactly. of work with There is a cost around. with the pattern, yes. Yes. Yeah, and so so reclaiming your self-esteem, one really so how, simple how thing do you, that you're, Please, I want to hear, how do we do it? Super simple, easy thing to do. Find a picture of yourself aged between about six months and 18 months before you received all of this negative feedback. Find that picture, and it's a little bit like you know, when you've been to the airport and there's one piece of luggage going round and round on the luggage carousel, have you ever wondered, I wonder who belongs to that luggage? So it's a little bit like the tiny child who lives inside our adult bodies is waiting for us to go back and reclaim them and reconnect with them. And for me, I went back and I apologized because I really hadn't been treating that tiny child as lovingly as I could. I mean, hello, I was chastising myself for, you know, not being able to organize my own suicide. Right, exactly. So there can be tears, and those tears are wonderful because you're actually reconnecting with your authentic self who lives inside, you know, our body. So one part of the reconnect, yes. So one part of the self-healing is to remember the pure, innocent being we were born as, and that that pure, innocent being is still, indeed, accessible, alive and well, beneath all yeah. the patterns, all the layers, all the programming. So one of the things I'm wondering about is you talk about creating a vision for how you want your future to be. How do you incorporate that into healing? Well, first of all, let me just reiterate, once you've found that picture, look into that tiny child's eyes every morning and every evening and assure them that you're there to treat them with the love and respect and and as gently as you would a tiny child that you're going to. And it's just a constant reminder then if you get into this habit of saying, I love you and I'm going to treat you with love and respect. It, you'll catch yourself if you don't and go, oh, my goodness, I'm not treating my tiny child very nicely. So so there's that. Mm-hmm. But then going on to right. actually create, yeah, creating. I like it. So this create, is inner child work, and this is remembering that we're each yes. responsible for that child within us, that we have a responsibility, so to speak, to raise that child through loving kind words and messages to ourselves how we treat ourselves and to check exactly. in how am I how, how am I treating that child so if we move on to talk about the creating the vision tie that in yes. for us please Catherine 
Sure. So all of the thousands of people that I've worked with over the years, um, including myself in this one, is if we don't have a strong sense of self-esteem and self-worth, we will either never create those goals and dreams or we'll create them and we'll sabotage them because we don't believe we deserve them. Mm. So the right. self-sabotage, you know, actually this is exactly uh, on May 12th for our next Modern Love training and this coming Friday uh, when I speak at the New Living Expo, I'm going to be talking about those invisible wounds and how they create sabotage patterns. So mm-hmm. very, very important for people to recognize, for all of us to actually have patterns of self-sabotage. You lying on the floor saying, I should end it all because this man was a complete, utter, irresponsible, hurtful person to hurt you like that. But yet it's not him you wanted to punish. It was yourself. Mm. Mm. And we all have that part of ourselves that wants to punish ourselves, be hard on ourselves. The inner critic, the negative parent, there are lots of names for that part. But you're saying... Through inner child work, we can break it. And then you're saying, let's create a vision of the life we want if we weren't Exactly. Exactly. And the more that we actually really immerse ourselves in the feelings, it's not just like vision boards are fabulous. And I've had, I have some amazing manifesting vision board stories that we could go on for hours. But the vision is fantastic. Attaching the emotion to the vision of what is, how am I going to feel? If, if we're after that, you know, beautiful person in our life, how am I going to feel waking up every morning with them by my side? What is it going to look like, sound like, um, you know, feel like? Really immersion mm-hmm. of those feelings as if it has already happened because the brain really doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not. So exactly. once we've actually cleaned exactly. out the crap, as I call it, we've got to clean it all out and then create a beautiful foundation for being worthy of creating these things, getting really clear on what we want. And sometimes, you know, we've we've been so busy settling that we don't dare to think about what we want. And, and I know quite a few clients are, are much better at getting clear on what they don't want than what they do want. So often yeah, and let go, me okay, add let's... something, Catherine. This is important. Uh, one of the things I want to add is with my long experience uh, working with just hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people because of my television work, we don't have to. Those of you who are thinking, oh, my God, I have to get it all cleaned out before I can start looking towards something new. Both things can happen at the same time. At the same time that you're healing your inner child, you're healing the old sabotage patterns, becoming more aware. Awareness itself is one of the grand mm-hmm. prizes because the minute we see it, we can heal it. So don't think, oh, I have to wait until it's all healed. Then I can start having the life I want. Catherine just said it. You can begin to see results as soon as you begin to heal yourself and focus on what you want. You can do it simultaneously. Absolutely. And And the best way to, yeah, and really the best way to actually, I think, to be good at relationships is to be in them. You know, exactly. Because at the end of the day, the person who is your worst nightmare 
actually ended up being a great teacher oh. and served you at a very high level. You know what? As painful so as that was, and that I don't wish it to you. Yeah, it was my biggest gift. And usually our biggest nightmares are our biggest gift in disguise. It doesn't feel like it at the time, but but certainly it, it was the case for me. Huge gift. I would not be doing the work that I'm doing today. I had quite a, a strong level of confidence and self-esteem, but there were some things in there that were really needing to be healed. And, yeah. you know, that whole situation, had that not occurred, perhaps I never would have. And so it, it sent me on a whole different trajectory in my life to be doing what I'm doing today. And I'm so grateful I wouldn't want anyone else to fall as low as I had to go, and that's part of why I do what I do. However, I just know it all happened for a very, you know, very good reason. And a uh, very good reason. And, and everything yeah. in life, everything in life, happens for a reason. And if we can just learn to hold that space for ourselves and for others, this is happening for a reason. I don't see why yet. However, as I patiently work my way through it, and I want to say right now, Catherine has written a book. She's a coach. I can't tell you how many therapists, coaches, spiritual teachers I've had. We all need a team. We all need people around us. The most successful people in the world have multiple coaches. They have many people on their team helping them, training them. I dare you. To think of any successful athlete or successful performer or successful person and check whether or not they have their own coaches, their own success coaches, their own therapists, their own trainers who are helping them get there. None of us can do it alone. So this myth that we have around the world that somehow, especially in Western culture, I must do it alone, that is so much hogwash Let's just wash it off. The faster your results, the more you can accelerate your success. The key, the secret is to have a team helping you. And transformation is actually what we're here for. So, Catherine, what's the final thing you want to leave us with? You started talking about the vision. Is there more to using that vision to help us to focus and pull forward in our lives? Well, I think as I was saying, it's, some people find it easier to get clear on what they don't want and just to, and, and then in actually writing all of that down, you know, if you've had not such a great successful relationship, for example, with my situation, I got very, very clear that I didn't want somebody that, um, that lied, <laughs> that was out of integrity, that two times, that didn't value me. But then getting, so getting that out on paper sometimes helps people get really, really clear on what they do want. <clears throat> Pardon me. And so I think is, clarity leads to power. So we need to get very, very clear to start with with what we do want. And I think the other thing is that a, there's a real myth that results and goals, it's kind of like I decide what I'm going to do and it's going to be a linear process. In my experience, it's never a linear process. It's right. like there are, there are obstacles and there are roadblocks and they're all part of the process to get to the end result. So I think that it's having like being the lost vision... In Venice. <laughs> 
Yeah, having the vision. And then when when one of these obstacles or roadblocks comes up, embrace it because it's there to teach you a lesson and it's to to test you to say, well, do you really want this? (laughs) And, And, you know, to move through it instead of actually going, oh, well, this isn't working, I might as well give up. Just to recognize that because, honestly, every single thing that I have done, if we haven't ever achieved something before, we don't know the steps but we've just got to take action and then the how kind of sorts itself out along the way. Exactly, exactly. That's wonderful advice. And everyone, we're talking today with Catherine Orford, that's O-R-F-O-R-D. Catherine wrote a book called Become Your Number One Fan. She's a confidence coach, and the subtitle of that book is How to Silence Your Inner Critic and Live the Life of Your Dreams. And you can reach her the website is becomeyournumberonefan.com. So thank you and so much, actually, Kat, for, sh- for sharing that with us. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say if they'd like a free copy of, of, of you know, um, to download a free copy of my book, if they go to that website, becomeyournumberonefan.com, they can get their own free copy and free they can learn how to silence that book, in a critic. <laughs> Great. I'm going to go download my free copy, becomeyournumberonefan.com. Thank you, Catherine Offord, and thank you to LeGrand Green, our executive producer, to Cliff Dunning, our associate producer, and to all you modern lovers. I'm your number one fan. Join me May 12th for Eventbrite right now to get your modern love miracles in May. And if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area this weekend, that's going to be the weekend of April, ooh, let's see, that's the 26th through the 29th. Come to the New Living Expo. You can't imagine the fabulous speakers you'll hear, Marianne Williamson, Carolyn Mace. You'll get to hear this woman named Dr. Brenda Wade. And I look forward to seeing you Friday at 4 p.m. for my talk on healing invisible wounds and the sabotage they create in our love lives. Blessings, everyone. Goodbye.